0: Okay, so I was saying, um, your question was around um, how can I uh, navigate the same professional ageism in the personal space, specifically with Libyan audiences and women sure. that are older than I, older than mm-hmm. me. Um, so I was saying this goes uh, way back when it comes to our culture, the, the importance of storytelling, um, being a hadreza, knowing when to speak, how to speak, when to joke, who to joke with, the boundaries and the nuances of that communication. And so <clears throat> growing up, that was something that I learned from, you know, you know, personally, the importance of language, right? Like right. language development. It's our key to get into the community, sure. right?
1: Yeah. Like if you don't know Arabic, then like yeah. you've, you've kind of failed.
0: <laughs> and when to joke and like all these things. So, mm-hmm. um, how I, I, Yeah, and how to joke. And so I was able to kind of absorb. I spent a lot of time absorbing. It helps that I'm extremely extroverted anyway. Right. You know, um, I also think that, you know, um, working on listening from a young age really helped me as well. But anyway, being able to learn that from sitting around with old ladies over tea (laughs) helped me in my, you know, young adult life. And then, you know, I got married a little bit younger, so... Sure. I was able to kind of again be in that married ladies group, um, and right. it helped me well, a lot. Build what would you define like
1: a hedraza? Is that like like translated? Is that like a good talker? Like yeah,
0: like <laughs> ha, like hedraza hebuba like the person you want to sit next to during the party, because she can oh, hold a, like okay. you she can has, because yeah. she can hold a conversation right like right. but not in a you don't feel like she's uh, jealous or trying to like one up you or, or you know or judge you. you yeah or, or gossiping like she has like quality conversation and this translates interculturally right like yeah. nobody wants to sit next to you know a spicy individual that isn't actually listening to you but it's particularly valuable in our culture right because we like to say that gurma is the national sport right which is <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know,
1: again?
0: Gurma, the lies. gurma is like gossip and like talking i mean talking sure, really okay. we're a culture of it's a culture of sitting around, drinking tea, coffee, and talking. Right. You know, storytelling. <laughs> it goes back. I mean, it goes yeah, way back, right? Yeah, for right? sure, for sure. The Arab as the poet and the storyteller and the importance yeah. of words in the Quran, things like that. Right, you know, right. I'm, oh gosh, shall I say it online? I am not yet in my 30s. So it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenging... People know. <laughs> it's, it's out now. It's out in the world. Um, But as a consultant, you know, gravitas and I was saying wisdom and presence are... Um, your source of credibility, right? Because, um, you know, being a young consultant, it can be challenging to establish that credibility otherwise.
1: Well, cuz like I, I remember i remember like talking to Nadine about it i was like hey nadine how did you just go from you know living your life to being like integral to the to the Houston Libyan community and she's like well i just hung out with the old ladies got my arabic good and then like started making friends i was like oh okay cool, 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 cool. <laughs> so it's like the, the the gateway into into every kind of society is through the grandmas we talked about that before where it's like libya's full of cool grandmas it really um, is. we just need to <laughs> <laughs> need to access that more <laughs>
2: The grandmas are, yeah, the grandmas are always cooler to hang out with.
1: Right. They got um, the stories. They have the stories. They're the jadrezas, right? Yeah. They're the socialites, right? And they
2: also have, like, especially when once they get to a certain age, um, not all, obviously, there are some grandmas out there who are, you know, more active than I am, and, you know, that's saying a lot, right? <laughs> um, cool but, grandmas. But there are a lot of them that all they have to do is, you know, just... They've done their due diligence, raised their kids, started raising their grandkids, and all their grandkids are in their late 20s, and now they're just straight chilling at one of their son's house, and they've got nothing but to talk and talk about stories. And back in our day, that back in our day, once it starts, (laughs) once it's right, once it starts with back in my day, you're just like, let me go grab the popcorn. Lock it in. Really good. I mean,
0: it's crazy if you could sit down and you actually give time, especially when you go back to Dibia to sit down and listen, you will learn so much about your own self, like yourself, and also the authentic um, history and source of why things happen.
2: This is Third Culture Block, where you're from from, with Wisael, Ahmed, and Muhammad.
1: okay so um i growing up with you as you know your younger brother i couldn't help but notice that uh, one of your uh, refrains for most situations is oh i can't do that i'm an economist mm. um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> so i was wondering um kind of if you could talk about like what brought you to studying this specifically i feel like you don't like grow up one day and be like, oh, mommy, one day I want to be an economist. Like, yes. how did that come on the radar for That's you?
0: hilarious. Well, it's very interesting because, um, yes, I use that as a humble brag, but also as a way to get out of <laughs> situations. But also just to tell you the way that my mind works, I think um, the way that I think and growing up, I actually didn't know, of course, how to articulate economist, um, what that means. You know, you get lawyer, doctor, engineer, right? We all get those right. options. Um, But economics for me was how do I get, you know, supply, demand at its very core, right? But how do I Mm -hmm. match resources and get them to where they need to go? And I think actually being Libyan um, set that stage for me, right? Because, you know, you grow up and the very um, source of your existence in the diaspora is the fact that, when uh, there was a misallocation of resources, right, which is kind of the definition of corruption, right, where Libya was making (laughs) 1.4 million barrels of oil per day at $100 per barrel, yet we were in the bottom... 10% Ten percent when it came to medical care and education right. and infrastructure. Guys, we
3: only managed to make two hundred dollars today. Wait, what? How does that look? Exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> or, even, or even worse, we made two hundred million, but you're gonna get. You're all living in poverty and you don't have education, right? So, right. So the point is. I was, so I remember thinking, very at a very young age. Okay, so corruption and misallocation of resources. I don't know how I articulated that as a young person, but bad people, bad, don't take money very bad, Right. something mm. like that. <laughs> and so I said, well, let me see how I can fix that um, or at least understand well, kind of,
1: I, I, you know? I would say like, you know, the connecting people to what they want and the resource. Did you ever like participate in like corruptive behavior as a child? Like, wow. did you wow. Like, this took a dark you know... turn.
0: Oh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> all right. So this is what we're doing now. Is this is what we're doing. Okay. No, no. All right. Yeah. It's, we'll okay. cut it out. We'll, we'll cut it out. I we'll say, cut it out. no, let's go I'm not there. fixing that in okay? post.
3: I am not let's fixing go that in post. <laughs> we're keeping
2: it. Okay. So, we're going
0: So let me tell you. Yes. Another And a good indicator of my success as an economist was at the tender age of eight to 10, where Ahmed, bless his heart, was such a kind-hearted, generous soul, where every time, and he's still like this, and we saw, we'll probably tell you, with his money, your sure. boy keeps every dollar he's ever gotten, okay? Yes. <laughs> and so he would, every time there was a holiday where we would out, we would gather some monies every Eid or birthday, I would come to Ahmed with a proposition or a proposal and say, hey, Ahmed, why don't we, you know, gather our money and invest in you know, a trip to like Colorado to visit our cousins or let's, you know, let's gather invested in Bitcoin. Together. Yeah. Right. I mean, would we not, <laughs> would we be too expensive for you guys to be on this podcast? Yes. If I had invested yes. in Bitcoin, but um, no, so literally I would just take all his money and I would use it to whatever I wanted to use it. Um, and I would call it an investment.
3: Okay. 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 Define, Just taking his money. I would give it. In light of your previous sentiment regarding corruption.
0: Yeah. So as a as an adult, I would have been labeled corrupt. As a child, I was I was experimenting with money laundering. As you know, growing up (laughs) growing up, I learned to find a middle ground where I would understand corruption but not be participating in it. So that was That was a process. I'm pleased. You gotta say, know
1: your enemy, right? I'm
0: pleased that's, to that's say I am now part of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, and I'm a certified <laughs> fundraising executive. Where I had to take an ethics pledge, and I have not money laundered <laughs>
1: since. Meant nothing. Sex. Meant nothing.
0: So. No, no. It
3: means, 20, I years mean, it, later, like, twenty years later. Twenty years later. You know, growing. It was a process. It's
4: growth,
0: yes. <laughs> so twenty years later, I now take those resources and use them for good instead of yeah. whatever ice cream money or whatever we I did previously so
3: god bless your heart so yeah, yeah. basically so. what you're telling is is after years of expri- of uh, of corruption you just grew tired of stealing money so now you're yeah. giving back to the community that's correct to yeah, clarify the
0: corruption happened from the ages of eight to ten years old before it doesn't I matter, right. tried doesn't matter. that's two years okay. no
3: that's two okay.
1: years. I
3: that's two wow. years <laughs> That's two we're, years. Borderline, well, okay. we're borderline.
0: We're borderline ruining my position, my uh, <laughs> reputation. So shifting gears now, I went on. I went on to study e- economics, yeah. um, and you know, before college, when I was in college, the Arab Spring happened. So right. my first iteration of of using you know this fight for justice was advocacy and you know, a, literally a megaphone running those. Um, you know, those protests Oh yeah, On the so I, in front for of, like, 10 together, months. Yeah. yeah for every week for 10 months. And I don't know, I don't want to age myself, but like I said, I was in college. And so that was a really defining time for me. And I was lucky enough kind of to have this experience at a very important time in my identity development where I was able to see clear actions and ways to engage with the community and to leverage kind of my skill sets, which was uh, you know, effective communication, gathering, building, bringing people together, um, understanding and articulating what the issue was. Right. I raised $180,000 um, wow. with Islamic Relief one night. I, I was, I think, That's 18 amazing. or 19 at the time. And uh, I still work with some of those executives now as a professional. So it's, you know, again, almost 20 years later. So Ten years later. Ten years later.
1: Which is amazing, cause like I I feel like you took you took kind of like your natural affinity for like, hey, I want to get something, um, and Mm -hmm. like slapped it with some ethics, and now (laughs) you've got this wonderful (laughs) you've you've got this wonderful career where you're like changing people's lives. It was
0: It was touch and go. I could have been a a really, really uh, successful um like villain Con woman.
3: Or, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. fair really I like I will be honest <laughs> with you, I, I I got that vibe as soon as you started talking about your relationship. Oh is that right? Her. Oh yeah. It could
0: have right? gone either way, but alhamdulillah, <laughs> yeah. by the grace of God, I used my, my skills for good and I, here we are. I used
1: to I used to think that all the time. Not about you but about myself where it's like like our family has been grown up, like, we, we grew up around, like, charisma is a great, like, property to have, right? Right. And, I, like, I would have these moments where I'd think, like, yeah, I could do some bad things, you know? It's <laughs> like, true. I, could, I can make people do, like, I could be like, oh, yeah, and then put a point in a certain way. But I was like, I've never done that, you know? It's I, true. I like-
0: it's true, honestly. So I will say that every, at every point in my career, I had an opportunity to do something that would make me more money faster but super haram and, you know, like literally so haram, sell my soul, like multiple opportunities to do so, like from college to grad school. Like I remember calling my husband in grad school when I was at Columbia and I called him and I said, listen, I can specialize in investment banking and do these really complex finance deals. And we are going to probably go on vacation in Bali every year because we'll have so much money (laughs) <laughs> or, or I can go into kind of the economic development side where it will take me a little bit longer to make more money, but I'll be a little bit more halal. I'll be more halal. I will be halal compared right. to the other ways. And he was like, yeah. well... Yeah. He's like, wow, Bali sounds fun, but, you know, this life is temporary. <laughs> Let's look at the afterlife. You know what I mean? Like, there's moments right. where, like you said, Ahmed, you can, not to, you know, discredit or undermine those that go into finance. I mean, I'm not judging any specific career choices, but there like, are like moments.
4: Brother, you know. Yeah, but mm. there are
0: opportunities. <laughs> I mean, there's a halal way to do everything, right? And... I remember thinking, like, you know, I want to do nonprofit work. And that was the very right. beginning of my career where I was in nonprofits with interfaith work and community engagement. And then I thought, okay, I love doing nonprofit work, but I also like money because I like things and I like to do things. <laughs> you know, like, right. really. And so it's an interesting process because you want to be true, again, in the spirit of identity and third culture, you want to be true to your skill sets and your identity and your community. And you don't want to forget about that because service is the core of what I believe is human purpose. The purpose of our existence is to serve others. And so keeping that at the forefront of your mind, but also thinking about, again, in the spirit of econo- you know economics, thinking about the lifestyle that you want. And so for me, what that meant was, okay, do nonprofit work, go to grad school young, come back and do it, uh, you know, be an executive and then go into consulting. And that's the way that you can maintain you know lifestyle but also service and as a as a driver and, a, and the main vehicle to achieve your goals
1: well i mean it, it sounds like um it kind of like naturally came out of your skill set and it was like a really well thought out like plan like is this hindsight or did you just like see the vision from back hmm. then and then
0: i think i think you could you ever you remember this i remember in the yeah. very beginning i have always known exactly what i want to do I have not been a, um, like a find myself type of person. I'm like, okay, let's get her done. Let's write it down. Let's, (laughs) let's, I remember doing strategic planning sessions. You remember like posted notes. People thought I was crazy. Like posted notes all over my walls and like people walk in. It was like a scene from the beautiful mind where I was like, and then I shall take over the world. You know, it was like a real, like kind of creepy, but also very strategic, you know? So well, I,
1: you, I feel like you've come a long way from like that strategic kind of like life planning to like a very like empathic kind of emotionally intelligent person. I like uh, I remember specifically when you had gone to like the like gone to Jordan or mm-hmm. whatever to to work with those uh, with with the community there. Mm-hmm. Like part of that, I think, coming back was this this empathy and this like emotional kind of connection to this overall strategic planning I feel like that changed a little bit of your course of like how you wanted to you know impact kind of the community totally
0: I think I think it's twofold one is the more you experience and see other ways of that people live you recognize your own privilege and you also the second piece is faith kind of the more you recognize, understand faith. You know that you, you know, Allah is the best of planners. So you can plan and He laughs at you, right? So it's a combination of recognizing that you can, um, you know, for me, for example, when I had, when Muhammad was stuck in Libya for seven months last year because of the pandemic, I call that year the year of surrender, right? Where I literally mm. had to learn to surrender my uh, plans or my, my expectations. Sh- yeah, my expectations, my, um, to, frankly, to get over myself, right? And know that yeah. you literally have no control over what's happening. It's a, it's a scary feeling, but uh, I think it comes with age, experience, wisdom.
3: The really interesting thing about the whole su- surrendering scenario is that it's really difficult to do. But mm-hmm. then once mm-hmm. you've done it, you realize how empowering surrendering is. Ironically, yes, yeah. Just the, the the empowerment of just surrendering your whole entity to God and whatever whatever mm-hmm. He has planned for you, uh, mm-hmm. and you see it in fruit. You see it right because as soon as you surrender yourself, mm-hmm. you things just seem to kind of work out, and you end up doing something. Yeah, it's 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 incredible.
0: A hundred percent, and. You know, people think of surrender as a weak thing to do, but our faith is about submission and surrender, and it is actually an act of character and strength to lean into whatever... That is such a powerful, intentional happened, right? act. Exactly, exactly.
1: No, that's amazing. Yeah, no, and I I think that, like, it's really difficult for me still to kind of... I, I think my my weakest kind of part of my my planning and my faith is kind of like that surrender portion because mm. you just want to be able to plan everything out mm-hmm. right but like especially in like community building like you can't plan for everything that's going to be happening or like the way that people are going to be received like whether you're in the US or like in Libya or like Jordan or Rwanda or like it's it's going to be absolutely different wherever you are and you can't plan for every situation Personally, I feel like you kind of went through this journey of, like, me. Like, I was, like, a hidden Libyan, and then I, and so I'm i still a hidden Libyan. It's like, oh, my God, do you know Nadine? She has the same last name as you. It's like, yes, that is my sister. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's me right now. Mm. Um, but, like, you kind of went through the transition of being, like, hidden Libyan to kind of joining into the community. Um, and and so, like – yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and so what what kind of like obstacles or like how did you go about like what was your journey through becoming like as a like a third culture kid mm. like getting into that Libyan identity like in the US, right?
0: Yeah. That's a great question. I I always joke that growing up my experience of identity formation was a lot of me crying and being embarrassed. And it was like <laughs> oh. really it's so it sounds so dramatic, but it's true because I think I think there's a lot, and we just need to talk about it, guys, there's a lot of shame surrounding the fact that, you know, we are, ch- of course, children of immigrants, you know, there's so much pride in this culture, but sometimes we don't know how to engage with it, and then we feel bad that we are not experts in that culture. 100%. Mm-hmm.
3: And,
0: and, you know, yeah. and it's char- it's also challenging for those of us that are type A, love to be, like, the best at everything, and, you know, it's it's navigating what does success look like in this culture that you are not living in a hundred percent, nor do you have all the tools that you need to be quote unquote successful in that, in that arena. So for me, it was like a lot of kind of, um, and you know this, i like, why don't I, you know, why don't I have, um, why is my Arabic not perfect? And you know, how do I, um, be a successful quote unquote, I'm doing a lot of air quotations here. We can't see them, but a lot of, <laughs> what, what does it mean? You know, like, and then it's, it's multifaceted, right. In the spirit of, right. you know, talking about intersectionality, you know, being a Muslim woman in the U S that's Libyan, you know, there's so many layers to that, right. What does it mean to be yeah. a successful woman, you know, professionally, personally, when do you get married? When do you have kids? You know, obviously there's god's plan but you know how do you it's like very chicken and egg which comes first which one do you work on first where do you put your intention attention
1: it's hard to prioritize it is it's a lot
0: to just go through uh, to kind of navigate and so for me you know it was at first kind of maybe looking libyan in a lot of ways so what does that mean you know like what do girls do? What do women do? You know, what do you, right. you know, and, you know, our mom is a fashionista. So, you know, how do we, right. you know, cause you know, Libyans were known for, we have a little bit of that Italian flavor. Unfortunately, we've inherited like our colonial, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's one of the interesting right. things that we've inherited. You know, Libyans are very well dressed and we care about how mm-hmm. we look in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, you know,
1: well, that was actually, that's something that I, I talked to, we saw about where like, your youth was, you know, I want to be Italian, pretty much. Like that was like the. I thought she wanted to was be a part drone. Of like your uh, journey, a drone? No, no,
2: that's the, that's a current um, situation where okay. I want to be the drone. Yeah, right. it's not a phase. I think it's gonna be permanent. <laughs> don't,
1: don't write it off.
2: <laughs> but. I did have a phase where it was that like, you know, it was anything and everything Italian and I remember having conversations with family members back home saying I'm only going to marry an Italian. I don't know
4: what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, unexpected. you know, I had I had this
2: like whole um this is not about me. I don't know. Why no, I mean no, but
1: this, this I'm, I'm I I had
2: you. this I had this whole like in I'm I'm in the recent years I've been decolonizing my mind, I guess. But this whole thing it's where good. it just was like um, there was this point in time I was like, man, the Italian Italians shouldn't even have left kind of thing. Oh you know, I just God. I was really like <laughs> oh I, I
0: was I hear what you're I saying. I had no. I hear but you. But
1: because
2: I mean and so like because as I don't know, there there are some things that I felt and and this is what I wanted to ask you is like how you navigate like being a successful Libyan Muslim woman, and how you would see yourself. Oh, that's Muhammad's, uh Mohammed, how many do you have left? Uh, he's a. Is this a new pack?
1: He's a matchy. He's a, he's a pyro like us, but he he he's like left. he he's embraced nice. it.
2: What's
0: happening? Um, <laughs> I did that
3: to kids, you know, I did kids? that to symbolize we saw lighting the fire of saying I I wish the Italians never left. <laughs> I can just uh, imagine, just, no, 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 I can was, imagine I the say, Libyan you know, Facebook yeah. groups <laughs> we, clipping that and running that question, away with it. Of like, oh my Jesus! God, look what these Libyans.
2: It's gone you now. You know,
0: be, first of all, all, I hear what she's saying in regards to like the colonial legacy, you know, some colonial legacies include infrastructure <laughs> and language. And I mean, Tunisia, look at Tunisia versus, yeah. Lib- you know, there's a lot of things that there's, I yeah. hear you. I hear what you're saying. She's I, not saying yay the the colonizer. Yeah, right? yeah,
3: I'm, we're yeah, just teasing 100%. you. One
2: hundred percent. Um, and 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 it, and, also, and I will like That's to your back, that your back, sister-in-law. Was... Thank you. I appreciate that, Nadine. I'm
1: like, you too. I have yeah, I had back.
2: Uh-huh. Okay.
0: But you yes. were saying navigating um, being a successful yeah, so Libyan be, woman. So that was,
2: this is especially when I was living there of how to become a successful woman. Totally. In, uh, you know, in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I had moments where I would just, you know, like... Because it was difficult for me, so I just immediately defaulted to what I am accustomed to in the colonization that was, you know, throughout my whole entire childhood. You know, the the whole westernized, we've had this conversation in the last episode, the whole, you know, colonizing and westernization um, is best. Not colonization, let me rephrase that.
0: Modernization.
2: Modernization, but also like the West is the best kind yes. of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um and we talked a little bit about like if you don't speak English then who are you and what are you doing with your life? Kind You're of uneducated. I'm mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. And so I had so in my frustrated moments, um, I would, you know, only think of like like you said, there was the infrastructure that i just be like, well, the Italians had... Because when you look right, at like, right. downtown Tripoli versus the rest of the Bani Ashwai, the, the random uh, construction of buildings, um, mm-hmm. which, side note, I was thinking about this the other day with how like the grid here is going to go on fire because um the heat waves the right, ones right. using the acs turn off your acs and i'm just like and libyans have the audacity to be like well why is that the 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 um the what is it called the electricity is always going off and i remember sitting down with the minister of of electricity saying when you build random buildings and attaching them to a grid that does not support this and you plug in all of your electronics and all like it's gonna blow. It it's breaks. not, and 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 it, and it always happens mainly in the um in the summertime. Like everyone was preparing themselves. Oh, right. summer's coming. It's gonna be twenty-four um, hour outages, and <laughs> like so. For me, I was just like, if you guys just, you know. Took a little bit, took the good things from the colonizers, it would be you know, there would be a boobity beepity bop. Right. Full disclosure, I do not support the colonization of Libya and yes, I do not support yes, the Italians right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. I just like it's during my like But But all of this is yeah. to
1: say that like finding what it means to be successful Right, right, right. as in your in your communities so, like it's kind of like West is best kind of in like yeah. fighting against so how, that to figure so out.
2: So I guess... <laughs> Can
3: I ask though, why did you uh, default to that? Like what was what was going through your mind when you were in Libya? Because one would think that if you're in inside Libya, or surrounded by Libyans, that maybe your notion of what successful meant would change, but then you still defaulted on uh, the Western mentality. Um, did,
2: did that happen and to you? Th- that was, I was going That's to ask. That's well, Nadine, yeah. Um, oh. Nadine is like, how would you like from your time spent there, um, and I know that, if correct me if I'm wrong, when you were there, you did like um, take advantage of, you know, spending time with family and getting to know family and all that stuff, but from a professional point of view, how do you feel like you would navigate, you know, um, be like say if you were to uproot and move there Mm -hmm. and do what you Mm -hmm. do now um how would you navigate that into a society where you're like you know about but you haven't fully like submerged right completely in a society that can sometimes make you feel like that you know yeah um
0: I think uh, for the longest time, I was thinking, okay, how can I be, like, so Libyan? How can I be Libyan, 100% Libyan, and forget about the fact that I'm American because American is bad? I actually had an opposite experience because there was an idea that, oh, everyone who lives in America is Sia or wild and loose, and I have always, always, I would say, at least from maybe, I remember 15, maybe 16, 17, thought Islamically first. Like, think about my dean first. Like, I had this epiphany where I said, okay... There's culture and there's Dean. Dean is right mm-hmm. objectively. Like regardless, it is not a relative thing. It's black and white. Right. you know like it's our Dean One is of the few things. yeah that's our, like it's absolute, something it's something right? that's universal that has no borders, right. So keeping that as my first uh, philosophy and thinking, okay, if I'm strong in my Dean and I understand my rights as a woman and my um, kind of my value islamically, then then I will pick and choose what makes sense for me when I go there, right? Mm-hmm. So keeping that in mind and knowing that morality again is not should not be subjective islamically, I would go there and someone would try to make me feel bad about something, right? You know, it could be everything from eyeliner to nail polish to um, my accent, you know, to the way I sit. What yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, there's nuances in culture from, you know, the fact that I'm not, and this is going to go on the podcast, and it's time for me to come out as a non-cooker. I can't cook, okay? <laughs>
3: Scandalous.
4: Yeah. A non-cooker.
0: You may, you, may na- you may name this episode Nadine Can't Cook but she's (laughs) but she's still successful okay and so so you know just navigating that and saying, you
2: have to know how to cook yeah
0: i mean that was that took a while to get there honestly because you know again it is it's a communal culture and a lot of the memories and the experiences happen in the kitchen you know around the table and things like that and so how can i navigate or hide my inability to cut vegetables, you know, while I'm trying to engage <laughs> with cousins. You know, like literally right. my mother-in-law has told me like why is that tomato so ugly? And I'm like, I'm sorry.
4: <laughs> like literally,
2: I'm like this is what you have...
1: signed up for. And we
0: laugh because she knows that I have other things that I have offered, you know, in our right. relationship and she ha- you know we have a happy marriage. Alhamdulillah. So but I, you know, it's still like, successful. That's the line of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the
1: line of success you have you to know? tote, right? You know yeah.
0: what I mean? So it's like, you know, I'm a great mom, you know, I'm professionally successful. I'm a great Mashallah. wife, you know, like, alhamdulillah. Mashallah, like Mashallah. I had to do those, af- I had to do those affirmations to myself, not to flex, yeah. but to do those affirmations and to say as a holistic person, you know, objectively like respect for my, you know, having my parents, um, blessing, um, You know, having a healthy, respectful relationship with my husband, Um, you know, teaching my daughter, you know, all the things that I teach her. You know, these are all things that are objectively good and that make me objectively good. And that is empowering. Right. Right. And then this last time I was in Libya, I came as a whole person saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel you know, confident, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 30 this year, right. I can now say, I feel confident that success is not professional or, you know, um, a X, Y, Z, you know, domestically or whatever success is again, like I said, service as the number one part of your purpose, like thinking about service and serving others, um, you know, kindness and understanding my Dean, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I've defined it for my own in my own way. And to answer your point, we saw, actually, when I went to Masrata, I have to just give a shout out because I did work from home while I was there. I'm a consultant. They have a co-working space that's one of the biggest in Africa. It blew my mind. Um, a whole floor just for women an app where you can bring your own like they can order coffee and bring it to you i mean i was just blows me away and Masrata. and Masrata is and muhammad bless his heart i have to give him a shout out muhammad my husband he made it his personal mission for me to have a good time with the secret agenda that we might live there someday and (laughs) (laughs) of course so bless his heart he actually like scheduled play dates for me. There's no other way to say it with like amazing women. <laughs> Doing like, you know, Zumba instructors, women that do Zumba, instru- you know, literally women's mm-hmm. fitness professionals, um, nonprofit executives. You know, the IRC right. is there, the Red Crescent, the yep. Red Cross. I mean, it's a robust nonprofit space. Um, right. So I think it. This that's all to say, not just to brag about Masrata, but to say that if you come with the intention of looking at what is good and what the opportunities are, it will always change your experience. You know, yeah. it's about an open hearted listening, um, to say, okay, you know, wow, I wish there was electricity right now. Cause I'm, literally gonna <laughs> I'm literally gonna burn it's 117 degrees there's no AC will literally I will I die like will I, right. die, today? Well, I, history, I yeah. die today I might actually die today I might <laughs> actually die today or I could think about well you know XYZ startup is happening right a, like next door and how can I be a part of that and maybe that yeah. has some implications for infrastructure and right. and I could talk about this for a whole hour but there is something to say <laughs> about the leapfrog effect. So there's this story about this Libyan guy and his European friend. The Libyan guy visited Europe and saw all these electrical systems, and the European guy kept bragging about all the systems that they have. So right, then the right. Libyan guy invited the European guy to visit him in Libya. And he took mm-hmm. him to the desert, and he, they dug and they dug and they dug, and they found no cords or, or anything in the dirt. And sure. so the Libyan guy turns to the European guy and he says, See, we had Wi-Fi way before you guys did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, uh. Was so that the, translated from Arabic? Probably. That, Lost in like trip. The trans-
0: point is, the point is, <laughs> like Japan, like Japan historically, they closed for decades and then they emerged and they copied everybody and made it better instead of having to go through the whole iterative process. Of building something, improving it, tearing it down, creating it again. So Libya has that potential in that we can look at others. We can take the 20, 30 years we've had in the diaspora and we can give back and rebuild. And I think if you keep thinking of it that way, again, service-driven, it will change your, your experience.
3: So... Africa is known as the young continent, right? So they they even have more mobile users than you have landlines. Or you have more mobile phones than you have landlines. Like you said, people made that frog leap over, you know, what Mm -hmm. is now considered Mm -hmm. archaic technology. So even when it came, I mean, I'm sorry to do a shout out again, but even when it comes to cryptocurrency, they are mm -hmm. adopting it like crazy and people are making digital payments. In a lot of African countries, they don't deal with cash anymore it's now digital yeah, payments yeah. using their mobile phones because yeah. people yeah. don't have banks or they don't have access to banks.
2: Or the access to the money in their
3: oh, Yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, that's a point. When I was working in Rwanda, I when I came into the airport, they confiscated my plastic bags that I had brought anything in because they had learned that just plastic bags cause littering, so they're not allowed. You know, and that's, you know, like, Done. wow, you know what I mean? Like, wow, right. what a quick fix, right?
3: That same policy would take years to implement in the West.
0: Right. Because the yeah, whole system
3: right, right. is just built around it. I mean, not to right. kind of simplify yeah. it by saying it's built around plastic bags, but...
0: It's harder to pivot. L- Absolutely. R- like,
1: right yeah. like right now, kind of, uh, if I bring up the fact that in California, like, you have to pay for your plastic bags. Mm. Like, it's like an extra, like, 10 cents mm. or whatever. Like, it's an and If, and I, go, if, I, if I'm, I was mad, I was like... What do you mean? As a Texan,
0: we're so enraged.
1: Especially because they ask you, they're like, how many bags do you want? It's like, oh, I might need two or three. And then they start charging, and you're like, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I need no bags.
2: (laughs) Ahmed actually ended up, if he forgot, he did this thing where, yeah. I believe that. If if you would forget it, he just like, it's an armful. Yeah. And a person would be like, well, I, you, would you like a bag? And he's like, no, this is punishment for myself. for <laughs> forgetting my bags. I but told even you. Then, 80 cents. But even, but even then, um, I think the thought process around it here, um, like, yeah, you're paying for a bag, but it's a really thick, re- like reusable bag. So you're not going <laughs> to use it as like a trash bag and throw it away. It's right. like, you'll it's a reoccurring so you can you buy it once and you can use it again yeah yeah yeah. so um so i think that's like a step forward but even then um i was you know um talking about this with a friend in terms of uh, we're like really pivoting off but i just thought
1: it was (laughs) this is a weird tangent but i'm gonna Um, gonna strap in like i'm um, here for this like
2: with the whole not (laughs) even the plastic bags it's just like if all of these big corporations who now have a sustainable line, right? So they have the method to do it. They have the materials. They have the way. They have the like the the engineers and the designers and the um uh what are you the what are,
1: what, are, what are supply they? chain?
2: The supply chain. But you know, to flip their entire corporation to make it green, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, instead they um they just they make a line this is our green line or our Mm eco-friendly line, triple the price so that only, like, you know... um, The bourgeois. uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, who who can afford it. And um, so they're not solving anything.
1: Right, rather than serving a a specific green community, they're building kind of a larger, like, green initiative. It just, you know, you can stop
2: what you're doing, flip all of your machines to make green like eco-friendly packaging, like, you know, even down to, um, you know, there's like a lot more, like, for example, deodorant, right? There are some deodorant brands that the deodorant itself is um, healthier, it's greener, it's no toxins, no, you know, all of those harsh chemicals in it. Um, And they have like the plastic-free line of the same exact deodorant, and then you have the plastic line of this deodorant. And it just like, so if we just, so since you have, a means to do it why don't you just flip it all like that so right. to see for example like you were saying like in rwanda or in tanzania or any of these countries like they're, they're immediately they're like plastic impacts the environment
3: god
1: get rid of it Finished. no more backs yeah mm-hmm. yeah at the end of the day right like it's basically taking what you were talking about nadine like coming in with like an open mind or whatever mm-hmm. and like getting these different perspectives and then exploiting that right it's like Oh, I have this persp- uh, this open idea about like shopping green, zero waste, whatever and then just kind of exploiting that. Whereas like it sounds like you use that tool to kind of get involved and get engaged with communities, mm-hmm. especially in Houston when you were just starting out.
0: It's about like you're saying it, it's an entrepreneur entrepreneurial mindset in a lot of ways and it's also again, I hate to be a broken record, but it's being service minded. Again, and the fact that we are children of immigrants and I don't know how, you know, Muhammad your experience was or we saw but with Ahmed and I there was always this assumption that you leave, you learn and you give back. And that was just an assumption for our with our mm-hmm. parents. Like you come, you know, yes, we're going to leave Libya and we're going to be gone for 20, 30, 40 years, but we're always going to go back and we're going to give back because this was a privilege that we had, you know, yeah, many yeah. of our friends, family, cousins you know, we're not able to escape extreme hardship, you know, for decades to, to learn right. and, and develop opportunities that we have.
2: That's it's easy to get discouraged. Um, yeah, it's easy to get discouraged, but every now and then we need like a wave of, I guess, new, um, blood. Mm-hmm. new blood or positive like you know seeing it from outside of the box um because it's easy to get discouraged a and burnout burnout is really right. real there. yeah and and so
1: you're not you're not trying to supplant like with the innovation that's kind of native right yeah um you're just trying to come in truly with a perspective that's just, like, less traumatized and, like, support that innovation. Yeah, I guess that's the word. Because, like, you were saying, like, the frog leap, right? You come in, like, here's what we've done. Like, it's possible. Here's the funding and space to do it. Like jump off us and make something better
0: right and then what you said is very important and i will say this you know i do consider myself a community builder and i i care deeply about community building one of the first things we do as a recipe of community building is a community needs assessment right um and really what we do is it's called a listening tour and and it's sometimes it's three to six months of listening to understand at the very top level, you know, what already exists before you come in and you might end up being the colonizer or at least an imperialist, right? Right? (laughs) Where you're you're like, here are the best ideas and you end up accidentally being West is best. (laughs) So it's very, you know, even if, you know, and so that's, I just want to throw that out there for anyone who is thinking about going back and giving back and whatever, you know, listening is the number one way to have a successful foundation for any of the work that you're doing um, because there is nothing worse than busting into right. a boardroom, right. a classroom, a living yeah. mm-hmm. room, and being like, this is what y'all need to do well, because no one is listening to that guy. Okay. Cause that is the worst, you know, it's just the worst. We've all seen it. Yeah, right I'm here. really
2: um, intrigued and interested to see your perspective and, and from your experience, the, correct and healthy ways to approach um building a sure. community
0: that's a great question we saw and thank you for um inviting me to share and you know i'll use the i'll start with everyone's experience of course is different and you know yes. um community is, is a fluid term and um it can be a feeling it can be people it can be a tribe you know i use the word tribe loosely and a little tongue-in-cheek but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start kind of with my experience as a mother. And as I think about Jenna, so I have a three-year-old daughter, Jenna. She's my boss. And um, she, you know, I think about, you know, navigating her experience as a Libyan-American, right? Um, and how does she build community? And what does that look like? Obviously, I'm a big part of that now because I plan the play dates, right? um and i right. i i'm also kind of you're
1: like the you're like the personal <laughs> assistant kind of thing you like I'm, make yeah, sure I'm she gets to pers- the <laughs>
0: yeah i'm both personal assistant and like cruise director in right. a lot of ways right because i'm you know building the program and so I, what i've learned is um we have to be very intentional about the people we select to be around us um and that's a matter of congruencies with values regardless of cultural background. But when it comes to being Libyan, I do try very hard for her to have Libyan friends. And so what does that mean? Um, she has a group of six girls, you guys know this, Ahmed already knows this, that have kids, all of my friends have kids the same age, and every weekend, every Saturday right now for the summer, they go swimming together. And what that means, what that means for her personally is she gets language, she gets some of the cultural values that they share, even at this very young age. And the reason I I focus on this idea of friendship is because we go through a developmental phase. Everyone knows this. Anyone who's a child psychologist will tell you um, you know, it's called the tribal phase, right? Where we're teenagers wow. or we're, you know, whatever it's literally called the tribal phase where they don't care about their parents anymore. We've all been there, right? Where our parents don't know anything. Right. Oh my God, mom, you're so embarrassing, you know? <laughs> um, and our friends are like our moral compass in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And so I find I'm kind of like a, um, a ninja spy right now where I'm planting the seeds for the families that the families and the kids that I hope you know if, if Jenna's going over to Fatima's house at least I know that Fatima has similar values when it comes to like respect of parents and you know they're praying over there you know for me Libyan culture is less about the way we eat and the way we dance and more about like values, right? Um, Islamic values. And that can be Libyan or non-Libyan. Like, I don't care if her best friend's Pakistani, right? So for me, <laughs> it's about Islamic values first, right? Like, are they gonna pray over at that house? And are they gonna treat each other with with excellent character? You know, in my experience, and I think Muhammad or Ahmed, you have this too, like with our grandpa, Rahma, for him, Libyan culture was like, what are we wearing like at our weddings and, do we have can she make i for us for breakfast and (laughs) you know and you know like those
1: those, for those uh previous affirmation like uh, metrics of success
0: exactly like and to me I've learned that that's not an indicator not the only indicator right there has to be more to that um you know it's nice to have both right I'd love if Jenna could do some you know, get down with some ZimZim ads, right? That right. would be great. But it's, <laughs> it's not my true... Libya
3: lippy music. Right. Yeah,
0: Libya music. Yeah. That's my long-winded way of saying the kind of the people that you surround yourself with, the values that you've selected to be important, and that's on the personal side. Now, on a systemic level, when it comes to community building...
1: Right, because um, you can't, like, set up play dates for, you know, adults. For your community. Or like, you mean, can't, like, ninja Well, you
0: can. Muhammad exactly, did, but...
4: Yeah.
1: But fair. Yeah,
0: he did. Yeah, but to your point about so community built so I'll use my experience as, you know, executive director of a Muslim women's organization. Um so the the goal of that organization was inclusion, right? Making sure that people feel like they are a part of a community. Right. And there were a few subgroups like, you know, converts or reverts those that, you know, come into a a faith, but they don't have maybe their family with them, how do they engage in community? Or, you know, someone who's a transplant to a city, you know, how do they engage with community, right? Because loneliness, we've learned through the pandemic, is, you know, a precursor for many health issues, right? Right. Mental and physical. How do we combat loneliness by by making community the antidote, right? In a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. okay? And so the as i said earlier you know there's the listening piece you know doing the listening tour but the main indicator of community building is having a space kind of a we call it you know a brave or a safe space Mm -hmm. where people can get together and be vulnerable in such a way that there is no fear of kind of ridicule, ridicule right right so if you can build And that, you know, nowadays it can be a virtual space, but ideally it's a physical space where you can gather and bring people together to be vulnerable. And that sounds theoretical, but really once you've experienced, I think we can all remember whether it be one conversation you had with an individual or a room full of individuals or a group of friends where you were able to be quote unquote, your authentic self and vulnerable with, without fear of um, rejection
4: right.
0: or, um, being put down. Yeah. And to me that is uh, successful community building, right? You know, obviously there's the element I'm there for you through death and, and marriage and sickness. Like that's, that all comes later, but it's the idea that you're able to build that, that rapport with others. So that's to me, um, what that's about. And we did that, you know, with a series of different events and things like that. With the Muslim community, we engaged 27 masajids. We built those spaces. We did women-run programs, all these great things. And there are lifelong relationships and, and bridges that were built because of that.
1: So that's kind of like the what of what you're trying to do and the listening tour is kind of figuring out the means of how and why you're the, the way, the thing, everything is the way that it is. How it mm-hmm. got here, and then like figuring out how we can get to this what, which is the mm-hmm. this this brave space, this vulnerable space, much like the one we've made here for you, you know, just so <laughs> un- I feel welcoming safe, welcoming and Yay. safe, right? Um, I do
0: feel safe. At first, it was touch and go, but now I feel safe.
1: <laughs> great, great, <laughs> amazing. Um, that's uh, that's amazing. I I never really thought about it that way, especially like kind of the motherhood piece, like that there is there's kind of like the oh of course like that's where communities start but um i don't know i never really thought about it as like like a separate part to the um, the like building a vulnerable space if that makes sense for mm-hmm. for like authentic sharing
0: yeah and that it goes back to our earlier point about storytelling yeah. right yeah. once you can get to a place where you can hear people's stories and they can actually um, share their experience that's when commonality happens. that's when you you know you see the human side of others versus you know the story we tell ourselves or the story we tell others right social media whatever whatever. right once you actually see the that human side of of an individual, that's when true authentic
3: connections are made. Just to kind of take a f- couple of steps back uh, you said that you obviously when you when you when your kids stay somewhere, you always want to make sure that the family they're staying with, has similar values and the, the the sort of advantage of adopting the islamic values is that we believe they're because they're objective they are also human values right mm-hmm. so you can be with anyone mm-hmm. it doesn't like you said they don't have to be libyan they don't have to be muslim mm-hmm. as long as they have decent human values then mm-hmm. you feel safe with that person yes. and when you feel safe with someone you're more likely to obviously open up and be vulnerable yeah. and they will be vulnerable with you and that's community building On the micro level, right? And then it obviously grows. But the other point I wanted to make is it's really interesting that you're talking about sort of sharing stories and everything because that's actually one of the signs uh, in the Quran, right? Where God says that he taught humans articulation. Mm -hmm. It's actually a a blessing that God has bestowed upon us because with that, we are able to express ourselves. We are able to share you know, happy memories, sad memories, emotional times, uh, stories that span generations. Correct. And that is community building. Right. Mm-hmm. Not just locally, but globally and for all time.
4: Yeah.
0: Subhanallah. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. I always tell uh, Muhammad, my husband, that if Jenna at, her, at the very least becomes an effective communicator, that would be one of the best skill sets that we could give her, right? Yeah. The ability to communicate her feelings. I was joking with Ahmed earlier that Jenna the other day, she, again, she's three years old. She told me, mommy, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Just like... I said, oh my God, <laughs> I was I was shocked. Shocked and then pleased <laughs> later on, you know, but it's true, it's like, she, you know, in context it was about ice cream and it was not a life-changing situation but
3: <laughs> hey you know hey, but hey she's disappointed yeah okay? i Absolutely hear you
0: i hear you baby girl i hear you you know i, I too feel you. that
3: way sometimes
0: yeah so yeah to your point exactly <laughs> that The ability to articulate your feelings to to tell the stories of history and ancestries and legacy it's all connected
3: I do just want to make one point, though. Uh, we've said a lot of inspirational stuff, a lot of sort of educational stuff, but I, I feel we haven't made fun of Ahmed enough. <laughs> we haven't, not just enough. It hasn't happened at I'm all. I'm telling you, you, what are
1: you gonna find?
3: <laughs> Nadine, Nadine, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm disappointed.
1: Ahmed <laughs> came
3: here was... for some
1: Ahmed shame ice cream i did i told
0: you he's a money hoarder what's worse than that
1: i don't know
0: he's a money he hoarder. he suffers
1: greed you know he's yeah
0: <laughs> i'm telling you he is mm. precious loves his penny precious. pinching exactly. no, i mean
1: i that one Just is kidding. like that's something i've claimed in recent years where like See, I, there you go. i'm oh, uh nice. i'm in the I, I i do mcdonald's math or whatever where it's like okay well, yes I'm going to buy this uh, such and such spatula, or I could have 10 meals at McDonald's, right? It's, <laughs> <laughs> if it's $10. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's just like yes. I, I could feed myself for a month, or I could get this cup. You know, it's like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it be the healthiest diet? It's a toss-up. No. Right, See? exactly. there you go. <laughs> no, I mean,
0: Name it to tame it, friend. Right. Name it to tame it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But,
1: you know, like, uh, I'm sorry, Muhammad. You, you know, you, you became my friend for a reason. I'm just that great, you know. So. Uh... <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. I wish I had more bad things to say about Ahmed, but or like shameful things, uh, but really
3: Do we you can Nadine, you can, do you, do you need deep. me to ask him to leave?
1: Yeah, I could go if that uh if that That's helps.
0: no, I the, the problem with me is that I say exactly what I think to your face no matter how <laughs> how rude it is. It's, she's, unfortunately, she's kind of
1: filterless. Yeah
0: unfortunately but it's good it keeps me out of trouble because i don't say things behind your back you're gonna hear it straight to your face i think that's the most i hate your shirt
4: (laughs) 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 it's true we don't
1: backbite
3: in this house
1: nope we We don't got time i think you smell bad we slap
3: you straight in your face
0: yes (laughs) it's just more efficient right
3: you know
1: And, you know, plays towards the whole community building element where you're just like you're really authentically communicating openly, kind of building a space where you can say those things and, you know, move on to the next thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, but in all seriousness, Ahmed is Ahmed has always been something I admire and respect about him is that he has always tried to be better and to navigate kind of in his academic internal processing way. He's always been very intentional about who is the person, who is the person that I want to be, um, and what is, you know, um, how can I be the best version of myself? He's literally always been like that. I remember as, you know, like a seven, eight year old, like him getting these little books and, should we bring out this memory? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna do, do it. What's happening? Okay, here we go. Here's a, a the dark side of the most of a household that the podcast has been <laughs> waiting for. Like 45 minutes in. Oh god. So oh, it's so painful, but we're gonna say it. We're so it. he's in the room and he's like reading this book. I think it was like um like ha- Arab. What was it? I like it Arab like,
1: American like, culture. Yeah, how to be Arab, pretty much. Like how to do. How Arab to be culture. Arab.
0: <laughs> it was literally a
3: book. How to Arab. How to Arab. How to Arab. Yeah. Arab, right. Yeah, and like, I remember, I remember probably...
1: specifically a line from this book as like a as like an anecdote. Um, was like that this is why it's common for for Arabs to expect to call each other every like week rather than every other week because of XYZ cultural reason. Like I remember this was like a part of it's the book where it's just like oh I very need to call nuanced. I need to call my grandpa more often because of culture. Yeah. <laughs> like...
4: And it was
0: so and it's like in <laughs> hindsight yeah, in hindsight I'm like wow, like that is so you know advanced or intentional when it comes to like he was literally studying the culture was like okay let me see what i like what i don't like what makes sense what doesn't make sense and i me being like the big sister that i am you know i came in and i was like this is dumb
4: <laughs> you're a and nerd I'm like, well,
0: yeah I'm like you're embarrassing <laughs> And like walked out, and now like as a thirty year old, I'm like, what the heck? Why did I say that? Like that's so rude.
1: But like, like no, I mean, I on like uh, looking back so on those rude. videos though, like I was very much like so passive aggressive. There are videos. So, so there's like whole Apparently. videos where it's like Ahmed is being like sad, <laughs> passive aggressive, like. <laughs> like I'll say something and the dean will be like that's dumb and I'll be like, Yeah, I didn't even think that was cool. So like whatever <laughs> 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 and like, It's so like easy I care, so, I care so, it's so deeply sad. What other people oh. think
0: like, No and it's so <laughs> oh, sad bless
3: him. This is, And
1: it's so it's sad the, It's the real reason why like Nadine Can't oh. like can't pull up bad stories Because it's just like kind of pathetic Like I'm just no. like like someone will say Something and I'll be like yeah well I don't even care About that and I'll just run out <laughs> Oh,
4: We
0: were both Like and I'm the opposite I was like
3: <laughs> Give them on a hug Damn it Yeah <laughs> And
0: and then I'm over here like, you're dumb. And then I walk away and I go to my room. I'm like, should I be reading that book?
4: You know? Just so anyway,
0: that's a like a window, just a peek into our like preteen angst, right. preteen angst in our identity formation. But anyway, For the sure. point is to say, you know, Ahmed has always been very intentional. And I think it has led to um, him probably arriving at, um, a level of emotional intelligence that many of us took much longer to arrive to because he spent so much time doing that inner work and defining again success and I, what is important to him as an identity you know as a Libyan American man Muslim man right He did that work before while the rest of us were angry confused, upset <laughs> and and using others as a as a measuring stick for our success versus our own internal
4: work well, so I,
1: I think like even, for me it was like it was, it was less it was less like the the libyan element i feel like even today i'm still struggling with kind of that libyan element like well if we're gonna brag on me i think something that's <laughs> very impressive about nadine is that oh, like god she went out of her way to kind of uh invest herself into the culture into the language and really like find and research the answers and find them herself herself right like sure I was kind of academic in my approach but it was very like um, hands-on, th- theoretical whereas Nadine was the person who was on the ground like talking to the, to the nanas, talking to the, the elders of the community or whatever, and being like, okay, so, like, why do we, like, hate this person, right? It's like, oh, because, <laughs> like, they do this, this, this. It's like, I don't agree with that. They're like, well, that's okay. You're young. You'll figure it out. <laughs> but, it like, like it, Nadine, like, this listening tour, I think that, like, maybe you learn later in life, I think is something that Nadine's definitely done kind of, like, early on in life, right? Like, even in school, like she was the cool kid for most of most of school, right? And she was the cool kid because she would just like listen to what everyone's doing and then like do it better. Or like do it her own way kind of thing, you know? Um like in oh, high stop. like in high school, like she was like traditional cool kid, then she had like a shift and then was like I'm Nadine cool kid. And everyone's like, oh my God, Nadine cool kid. And now she's called back to like be a speaker at the school and stuff like that. Because like, like does the on the ground experiential, I'm going to be corrupt and then like become a badass at (laughs) economics. (laughs) Whereas I'm going to be like, I should never do corruption. And then like not know when I'm, not, not know when I come into Nadine that I'm actually like, like imperialist kind of like a corrupt way of doing it. It's like, I didn't do any research, but we should do this. And it's just like, you should probably talk to people. And so like, like, very much, like, different approaches. So good for me. Yeah. We're both good for each other.
0: <laughs> I call Ahmed for advice all the time. And likewise, so.
1: I call Nadine for advice all the time as well.
0: No, you're great. No, no you're, you're great. great. Let's talk about Wait. our
1: wholesome sibling relationship so Muhammad can see what it.
0: <laughs> It's actually real. We're not making it up. This is real.
1: Your check is in the mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh. Mashallah.
3: Okay, so for this last segment, I, w- I wanted to actually take you back, Nadine, to when we were talking about the continent of Africa. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, it made leaps and bounds. And in right. some cases, it made frog leaps. And obviously, frog leaps is very similar to a leap year. Mm-hmm. And with leap years, it's very difficult to to tell, you know, dates and times, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, obviously, it's it's it does you know befuddle me sometimes as to what time it is
1: right yeah it's very (laughs) difficult sometimes to just really ascertain the time especially when you're dealing with time zones you know
2: you know uh,
1: but uh we saw it has like a knack for for this kind of stuff
2: okay well
3: i was gonna well i mean before before we ask we saw i mean i mean should we hand it over to the guest
1: oh yeah um nadine do you have any idea what we're talking about Sure. Yeah, I think I'm
0: following, which is is your point that um like where have we arrived in this uh time continuum of development or is this a weird inter inside joke that I'm missing?
1: More the second. The more the second. Um <laughs> eh, should we wrap it up? No. No. I'm going to I'm going to type something.
0: Okay. Here we go. I feel like
1: question what does that mean do you not listen to the podcast (laughs)
2: clearly she doesn't listen to the podcast
3: okay so the last segment of of every episode we have a question time right okay but we don't just say we don't just say hey it's question time and then we ask the question we normally build it up by saying oh my god i wish i knew that what time it was uh, time difference to get
1: to someone yelling question what time.
3: time is it what time? yeah and it's usually we saw it's
2: always whistle. okay not usually it's, it's literally only been me okay,
3: okay. so no I, no what do i you do here known that. There's no, there's,
1: there's no i way. feel like
0: i got set up for failure though. what should <laughs> i do
2: uh you need to you need to
1: like um Ask what do whistle, i say now what time is it
0: we saw so well, what i don't No, that's huh? perfect
1: that's perfect just do that
0: we saw what time is it
2: um hold on let me check it's this is approximately,
4: um... Question time!
1: <laughs> this is so embarrassing to do in <laughs> front of oh other people. <laughs> I have no <laughs> shame in my game. I don't want to do this
4: anymore.
2: No shame in my game. That is this why took uh, a very interesting turn. <laughs> oh and that is why I'm the one who does it every time. Because I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yesterday... yesterday Yesterday, Ahmed and I were watching... So Ahmed and I have been watching Community. Um, It's about this group of friends, a group of students, like, they're, like, community college students all from different walks of life and stuff. Anyways, um, one of the characters, it's kind of, like, interesting and slightly um, offensive, but his name is Abed, and he just does the most interesting, weirdest, like, just, you know, like, ain't no shame in his game and his acting. And I was like... If I could ever be an actress, like I would do that just so I can openly and freely, with purpose, do the weird things that I just naturally do.
1: All right, well now we, we have we have started question time, such that we Bring now ask questions. Bring it's, it's, it on. Bring it. yeah. Let's ask questions for question time.
2: <laughs> Who is your hero, if or someone that you look up to that really inspires you and pushes you? forward
1: your role model
2: your role model your model that is a role
0: oh gosh that list could be so long I could sit here for days um I have a list of people kind of you know kind of mentors Uh, I think I really believe in the power of mentorship so I have about maybe 10 women that I have lunch with at least once a year or once a quarter and i end up weeping like a small baby as they teach me about <laughs> you know just as they inspire me about their life goals and things like that but um top of mind recently Um, one person that's been on my mind a lot recently is actually my mother-in-law. Her name is Harima, but she goes by Zahra because she doesn't like her name. Harima. Fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great name. That's great. Um, It's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. But anyway, so her name is Zahra. I call her Amti. And mashallah, she is, she's had 10 kids, 8 living, and I have this short... short anecdote that i will share when i was in libya last month i was sitting in prayer and i heard kind of this really beautiful female recitation of the quran kind of echoing throughout the family home it was it's a pretty big house i mean it's one of those compounds right in libya where everyone lives in the house i think it's probably 30 people So, hearing this voice kind of echoing down the halls, I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I need to go get the CD. Like, this is some girl power right now. Like, I never hear female recitations of the Quran. Like, I'm so down for this. I'm so here for this. So, I, like, do a slight jog. I'm, like, jogging towards this <laughs> this sound. <laughs> <Paleros>. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, give me this. CD immediately. Do people still use CDs? Maybe it's a tape, cassette. I don't know. We're in Libya. It could be anything. So <laughs> running, running, running. And then I find my mother-in-law, I get choked up. She is, it's her voice. She's sitting in the kitchen and Aww. just full volume um, uh, reciting Surat Medium. And it was just such a, a beautiful moment for me because Surat Medium, you know, obviously it's about Mary and... Um, and I asked her. I said, "Oh, like this is a thing," and she was. Uh, she responded, "Yeah, I have a confirmation that I've com- completed this this memorization on Saturday. I'm going to go perform it for my t- my uh, perform it, but recite it for my teacher on Saturday." And it was just such a a beautiful reminder that you know, growing up, I kept hearing Sotil Mara aura, like the the voice of a woman's wife, like voice. Like sometimes it has to be whatever it's just loud voices the voice of a woman what does that mean it was like a loaded thing and here here she is you know a woman in her 60s you know such a boss um just reciting at the top of her lungs and so she's just a beautiful i think example of a community builder in so many ways you know during the last war she got up at Fejud and would go and she would cook for the soldiers with a group of women like 20 women, they would cook like hundreds of pizzas and things like that and send it to the battleground. She, she, you know, there was last month, last year, she took a three-month course from this nonprofit on how to raise children after trauma, right? And this is someone who's lived her whole life in Libya, right? And right. late 60s. So think about that demographic. Just because, again, she has grandkids and, and you know, soon-to-be great-grandkids. Right. That have lived in this experience, and so to me, it's an example of someone who's constantly learning,
4: mm-hmm.
0: who's always thinking about service, and that uses her voice. Just she stands in her power, which which is something that I hope that I will always be around.
3: Beautiful thing about that is that she's using her voice to heal people physically and spiritually.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. correct. That's yeah. Yeah. she's guy. great.
1: Challenge. Well, thank you so much, Challenge. Nadine, for yeah. coming out to, to do the interview with us. Really I know that it was uh, it. Yeah. not the most timely affair, but I was great catching up and, and hearing all your stories. Some of this stuff I never really heard before, and some of the stuff is like I want to ask more questions offline maybe. Um, but always always good to brag about you and, and kind of <laughs> share, share some airways with you. So inshallah, mm-hmm. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for letting me be a part of it, guys. Thanks. I had a great so time. Nice.
3: Absolute pleasure, Nadine.
0: Appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for listening in. We look forward to hearing more from y'all on our Patreon, Twitter, and Instagram pages. All third culture block with a three. This is Wisal, Ahmed, and Muhammad.